Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm wearing I'm wearing my sweatshirt with shoulder pads. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I quite like shoulder pads at the moment. Oh, well, that's an interesting yeah. development. And you can take them out when you wash the sweatshirt. That is also very good. Yeah. So they don't go in warp into weird forms. Yes. Yeah, no, you can take them out. And what colour is your sweatshirt? It's, it's black. Chic. And it's got a very narrow blue stripe um, around all the edges. Nice. Yeah. So I'm feeling okay. And do okay. you feel authoritative, authoritative, but relaxed and slightly punk? That's exactly how I feel. How did you know? I just felt the vibes coming down. Yeah. No, that's exactly how I feel. Thank you. Well, for... you know that I still have the you, your my ringtone for when you call me is Blondie Atomic. Oh, so that seems that's so very nice. appropriate for oh, your outfit. Yeah. So now I feel even better. Good. What about no, I you? Oh, well, I'm, I'm also wearing a sweatshirt, but it's it's not as exciting as yours. It has got slightly puffed sleeves going ah. into the cuff, though. So there is a... In, oh, into the cuff. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's navy blue, but then it... Yeah, just, they're just there's just a bit of fullness there. Mm. So I don't know how we're going to define that, but that's what's happening here. That's I do love good. sweatshirts. Oh, me too. Oh my god, there's nothing as good as like an absolutely perfect, completely plain sweatshirt yeah. with tailored trousers. Oh and, yes. And they're not that easy to find? I no, find. they're not. No. Men's are often better than women's that's, though. That's true, yeah. Mm. You can find like nicer, completely plain ones that are men's, mm. I think. Yeah, and yeah. the material is important. Oh, it's really important. Mm. It really is. No, I do. I I have many sweatshirts, and I I I love each in its own way. Yeah. And what so, else has been happening? Well, obviously, sweatshirts takes up quite a lot of my mind. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> but but I've also this week is the week with my MA course that we focus on the Second World War, which I also always find really is really like difficult and fascinating at the same time. Hmm. So on Monday we were talking about, well, we were talking about, you know, like the, the stuff that I've done on like bombsite photography, yes. like Be Beaton's fashion photographs, but also documentary photographs and how they're kind of choreographed, but also documentary and theatrical and horrifying. And we were talking a lot about all the kind of tensions as well within how women were supposed to act and present themselves mm. and how how kind of magnif it kind of magnifies ideas of femininity and the problems of femininity because we were looking at American sportswear and like the popover dress, the McCardle popover and Vera Maxwell jumpsuit and, and sort of designs which were created in response to the war and for women who needed to be more active even if it was still within the home mm. but then at the same time there's this push for like beauty and duty and this like sense that you have to look glamorous for the men yeah and some well. and some of the wartime features like the hair is quite the hair is extraordinary yeah, looks time consuming well uh, yeah and i guess because it's like you can't ration hair mm. so it's <laughs> 
I suppose it became it becomes such a focal point because it's one of the few things you can be really extravagant yeah. with and not be seen as unpatriotic. Mm. Because it is quite extraordinary the way it gets piled up at the front. Yes. That's what I always kind of find fascinating because it's almost like creating a hair tiara. That's You know, like true. a pageant tiara. I mm. mean, not a kind of little diamond one, a big ass yeah. tiara. And it it's quite a strange shape. I suppose it's giving height. It's quite theatrical. I don't really quite understand it myself. No, and it's weird. I... I watched this film from 47 and there is a scene, so a bit after the war, so there's a scene where in the morning the woman is doing her hair and it, it looks like she had overnight, she had little pins in it or curvy grips or something to mm. make it into little curls. So no curlers, but something else. And she takes yeah. she takes all these things out and then she brushes it. And it's weird to have these sort of curls at the front and then you have a bit of a straight and then you have the curls again at the bottom. That's what I find so weird, this sort yeah, of it curl, is weird, isn't it? curl and straight combination. I, my mum once did my hair because I was so fascinated by what it was. Oh, really? It really didn't suit me. And my hair, my hair does not take well to you trying to curl it or do anything mm. like that, so it didn't last very long. But you kind of, you, you divide it up into small sections and then you twiddle each one, like you twist it round and keep hold of it. And then you let it like curl onto your head. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And then you do two two hair grips on each one in a cross shape ah. to keep it clamped down on your head. And then you have to wrap it with a scarf so they stay in place. And then when you wake up in the morning, it is quite wild and free when you take all the pins out. And then, yes, you comb it and then it, because it's now got curl in it, you can kind of shape the curls where you want them. Mm. But as when I decided I wanted to see what a French pleat was like and I spent months growing my hair, had a French pleat, decided I didn't actually like French pleats and then just got it all cut back <laughs> off again, I think it's best for me to just stay with short hair and not not mess about because it doesn't work. Although I do admire the uh, experimental spirit there well you know it it's it's brief with me in terms <laughs> of hair but it happens occasionally but yeah it is very extraordinary and i i also watched this film um that i'm going to show the students later called the gentle sex i don't have you seen it no i haven't seen it you mentioned it, it before and i i tried to find it but i haven't yet it's from 1943 and it's really fascinating because it's quite it's like a really strange mix of quite documentary elements and fiction and it's called the gentle sex and like the beginning the the sort of what you call them like the beginning titles Mm -hmm. are like fake like samplers embroidered samplers and there's all these things about the gentle sex is so sweet and lovely and fine and fancy and da la 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 but it's quite ironic because then it's showing you women really being tough during the war and it begins it's like directed by leslie howe the actor Mm -hmm. and you never see him but you do see a man like the beginning of it is you see a man it's quite creepy looking down on a London station, train station, Mm -hmm. and he says, 
oh, look at that girl, that little sweetheart. She's one we should keep our eye on. So it's all a bit like you. Mm. But he goes through and he picks five women out of the crowd. And it's really interesting because you kind of, they're each like a kind of archetype of femininity. So there's the kind of little tiny woman who's a bit mousy and there's the kind of tough one who works as a waitress and has got her boyfriend with her and there's the kind of repressed middle class woman and you know it, it's mm. interesting how they do it and and it's interesting how they're dressed because they're most of them in variations on a suit but the suits are quite different so like the one who's meant to be a bit brassy hers is is like color blocked and a bit adrian as in hollywood oh yeah not yeah my adrian and she's got like a little dangly brooch on and you know a little cute hat and then another one the one who's meant to be mousy has got a sort of dark neat quite kind of military style suit and there's some with like big sort of swing swingy coats um so you see all of them and like some of them have their mothers with them and their mothers are wearing furs but you can really see their like 30s furs that they've had since before the war Mm. and like little hats that look like they're pre-war hats the mothers i mean so that's really interesting and then like they get the train and they meet up on the train and then they're going to join the ats so it's like watching them turn from civilians into service women and it's really interesting because i don't know which training camp they went to but apparently it's real military personnel who are the extras so it's really interesting that you're seeing actual army women with then the actresses coming into their realm and do you think so was it like a propaganda film do you think was it meant to get more people more women to sign up or i don't know how much it was like literally one you know i don't know about whether there was government involvement in sponsorship or or whether it was just generally at that time that you took that line in Mm. films i don't know but it's very i mean there must have been some government involvement to film there yeah there but it's really interesting and i think it's really moving like there are some bits which are a bit hard because given what we know of what happens Mm. where they're very optimistic at times and you're thinking oh no (laughs) this is all Mm. gonna go so badly but bit like the bits that i i think are particularly interesting in terms of dress are like when you're introduced to them and the contrast between the five women, but also between their mothers and them. But then even more so, I it's really fascinating because, you know, you see them going to the mess, not the mess, like whatever you call it, to have their lunch. Like a canteen type thing. Yeah, mm. and kind of them responding to the food that they're being given. Like to some of them, it's like, oh, you're given a lot and it's hot and it's yummy. And to some, it's kind of, ugh, what's yeah. this disgusting slop? So there's a kind of class division yeah. between them and their kind of reactions. And also their reactions to being away from their mothers and being away from home, because obviously they're all quite young. And clearly for some middle-class women, they've already been to boarding school, so it's not that strange yeah, to being be away, away from home. Mm. Yeah, but then they go to be issued with their uniforms and that's just because I find it so fascinating like the sort of clothing becoming administrative and bureaucratic Mm. because that seems so the reverse of most of what we look at in fashion that I find it very 
interesting when it becomes this bureaucracy where they've just got shelves and shelves and shelves and it's very utilitarian and it's like there's a list of you know you get x number of blouses you get x number of of each element of a wardrobe and it was making it, it was really interesting to think of it that it's the same time like the 30s is when you get the beginnings of the idea of capsule wardrobes in america and it's kind of interesting to think that already exists really within the military that you have your capsule wardrobe yeah. the adaptable you know and and how different they only got three pairs of knickers and feeling oh, that's not enough no. that's not enough and um, how different because presumably their uniform is some sort of suit Yes, exactly. quite different from the suit they come in? I think it's like the fabric, obviously, is really different. And it seems more fitted. But that said, one of the big things they kind of make a joke of is how you're given what you're given. And then there's like them trying to swap amongst themselves to try and find things that actually fit. Mm. And there's kind of interesting shots. Like there's one of them who is trying to fit into this skirt that's just far too small for her. And there's the contrast of her khaki wool skirt. I'm obviously projecting that it's khaki, it's a black and white film. But she's pulling that up and she's got like nice black silk cami knickers with lace compared to this army fabric that's mm. being pulled up. And there's the little woman who I told you about, she is put in a series of far too big coats and jackets. So there's like the comedy of her being swamped in this uniform which also seems to have some kind of symbolic meaning as well but it's just really fascinating this idea that you're metaphorically transformed through this and it's also like you know like in the Marie Antoinette film and 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 in real life if you're a royal when you reach the border when you were going to marry the king of such and such place you change into Mm. clothing from that place and you have to take off everything and it was making me think of that as well of like that you completely do away with your civilian self and you become this new entity, except you are still yourself, but you're in uniform. Yeah. And the other thing I really liked is they show you their kit for looking after their clothes. And I must pause it and write down the things because there were things that I wanted to ask you what they were. Because there were lots of things to do with buttons that I was thinking, I don't know what a button stick is or a button brush. Should I have a button brush? Hmm, I don't know either. It's maybe something. it's just if you have hmm. brush, brass buttons, you need a button brush. Oh, but maybe, yeah. You see them, you see the women who are issuing the stuff, they're like behind the counter, and it's just like a counting exercise. Like, and they, they sort of lay out a series of brushes and things, but those are all for taking care of your clothes. Because I suppose it's also the principle, you know, like you're not really. Or in the olden days, you weren't meant to you don't dry, dry clean, clean it or you wash stuff. it. Yeah, yeah, you brush it. Mm. So I guess it's that. But it, it's also that kind of ritual that you're given all these things. You become, you know, to become this other version of yourself. But taking care of those things is also really embedded in in transforming yourself, like the rituals of cleaning and polishing and being checked each night and hmm. that kind of thing. I wonder so why, I found it really interesting. I wonder why they, in the film, they did show it in that much... It sounds like they're showing it in a lot of detail. Yeah, well, I think it. that's the thing, because there were like points where I was thinking, is there a story in this film? Hmm. And it, there is, because obviously you're following the five women, but you do get an enormous amount of detail, and it is like... It's one of the few things that's not a strict documentary that I've watched that I've really felt like I 
could understand a bit more what it must have been yeah, like. Yeah, sounds fascinating. Some of, yeah, because some one, I think two or maybe three of the women end up driving lorries, and you really get the set like they, you get a lot of shots of them just on the road and then arriving somewhere and they're completely exhausted and they haven't eaten, and their orders have been changed, so they just have to get back in these great big lorries and go off somewhere else in the middle of the night and there's kind of that sense of you just do what you're told and how physically tough you have to become but also mentally tough within all of this and also that you know one of them is sort of involved in a romance and there's kind of like one of the women really bugs the other women so they don't want to be with her in the same posting but they can't really do that much about it so so you get the kind of personal and relationships side of it but it's also a lot of coverage of just what it was like to do that mm. and what the different elements of it are and how which does I think it, is really interesting how does it end well it just ends with them it ends with them firing not like handguns like I think they call them ACACs like I don't know I don't know the military terminology but like firing at planes and bringing down a plane Oh, okay. And, mm. I mean, you know, obviously they're in this country. And then, so they've had this really tough night, which they've all reacted to in different ways to, to kind of pick the first time of them being involved in something like that. Mm. And then it's like them the morning after going and queuing up to get a cup of tea and a sandwich. And each, like, as each one comes up, you hear the narrator again, who you heard at the beginning saying, you know, she's learned this or oh, she'll okay. continue to do that or maybe it'll be hard for her now. Mm. So so it doesn't end in the way a conventional film yes. was. That there's not a kind of denouement or climax to anything. It's just you have this sense that they are in this and it's just going on and on and on. And it's really, I found it fascinating. It sounds absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I'll lend it to you. I've yeah. got the DVD. But well, what's the 47 film you watched? Well, it, it was called It Always Rains on Sunday. and um, uh, it was, I feel I've seen that. That's I'm sure you have. I think it's a very well-known film, and it seems like in 2010 or thereabouts, it was in cinemas quite a bit. And it's, it is very interesting also because it's also about the role, in a way, the role of, of women, and the main character is um, someone called Rose in a film, and she's played by someone called Googie Withers. Oh, I've heard of her. Yeah, yeah. so it's an Ealing. Has she got blonde hair? Well, in this film, or she fair. actually has dark hair, but in the one uh. scene, she has blonde hair. Um, and to cut a very try and cut the long story short, so she she had an affair with someone. That's when she was still blonde, and you see that in a flashback with a very good looking man but he was a crook and he goes into prison so then she marries this 15 year old a man and I think in real life she was 15 like 15 yeah in real life one, she, five. one five in real life she was about 13 I think that's probably what she's meant to be in the film as well but that's one of the things how is that even legal but this is one of the things that is sort of weird because everyone all the women look much older than it makes sense that they are for the film to work. Yeah. But I guess that's the makeup and the and the hair of that period. So she she marries this nice dull man called George, and he has two young daughters who are sort of in their late teens, early twenties, I reckon. So you're saying fifty. Fifteen, one five. 
so she's 30 and then my husband is like 45 ish oh i thought you were saying the man she married was 50 no he's 15 15 years years older older 15 years older yeah yeah okay this is a different film yeah yeah i can understand and he's legal yeah no it's all fine i was i was worried as to where we were going no 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 that's all fine he's he's just so he is he is the her lover before was sort of Mm -hmm. her age so there is there is a difference there now and she has these two young women you know who are not that much younger than her to Mm. contend with and they don't really get on but anyway one her former lover Tommy he breaks out from Dartmoor and he suddenly appears in what they call the Anderson so they have this Anderson shelter in the backyard which they just call the Anderson so he appears and he he just wants her to give him some food before he sort of tries to to escape further and and it doesn't end well as you can imagine but there's several side stories as well but the the interesting thing is it's set in Bethnal Green it was it was actually not shot the the street where this particular family lives is was apparently in Camden but but you do see bits of Whitechapel, and there's a lot. There's a quite a long scene on Petticoat Lane Market, which oh, how is really fascinating in terms fascinating in terms of the clothing. Um, there's a black man. There's quite a few Asian people, which I thought was interesting, and um, it's also quite a lot of um, Jewish people in the film. And I, mm. I I I'm still not sure how they are portrayed portrayed but i think sensitively in Mm. from what i can tell and there's quite a lot of yiddish spoken um so in some ways it is a bit of a cliche of the east end life but but but, also showing that there was diversity yeah and so and but also the interesting thing is she she is just always making food you know she's always (laughs) and she's you can tell she's just really bored and 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 unhappy and then when when this Tommy suddenly appears she sort of thinks back and and but obviously this is not going to go anywhere so um in the end um she she stays with her dull dull husband but in terms of clothing the sort of petticoat lane scene is really interesting because they're all sorts of different clothing but one of the daughters is a pretty one who um well they're both pretty but one is the more the the bad one you know she she has her eye on a saxophone player who's married and there's several scenes with her in her underwear in her slip and there's oh a dramatic God. scene where where rose the, the stepmother tears her dress off her and oh my God. so it and they're all the all three of them rose and the two daughters are really well presented the whole time so i also think you you can tell they don't have much money but they're not, you know, shoddy or, or shabby no. or anything. That they, they have very nice dresses, which I think at some point you get the impression they make themselves. But they're they're very nice and everything. You know, it's a it's a well ordered house, um, yeah. albeit small. So that that was very interesting. But also these sort of different choices that women have, and um, yeah. also for forty seven, it was quite. While while she's not someone very likable, and no one really is in the entire mm. film, they all have their issues, or they all do things that are not nice or 
but she still I think portrayed sympathetic you can you sort of sympathize that she yeah she might dream of escape so I mean I think it's such an area this is something else I was talking about with my students that I think it's such an interesting time those kind of five-ish years mm. post second world war where it's really difficult for for men and women to kind of work out how they fit back into normal in inverted commas life after what they've been through and that, 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 that they've been through completely different things they've been apart for a really long time but suddenly they're back in the house together and told they have to become gender stereotypes and how does that how does that happen when you've been through what you've been through yeah it's interesting the war apart from the Anderson, <laughs> and at some point she needs to get some blackout material from the Anderson to fix something. Oh. So that they talk about that. And then you see there's there's a car chase and there's, there's some of it, I think like the Petticoat Lane scene is actually shot in the studio, but there are actual outdoor scenes. Yeah. And so you see a bit of what, at one point I interviewed a teddy boy and he called it debris. So so bombed out houses where they played in, they always said, oh, let's play in the debris. And uh, and so you see some of that, but they don't actually talk much about the war. And the, and the life that she's left behind was actually work, work, working as a barmaid in, right. in a pub. Um, so, I, I mean, I watched it quite late, so I might have missed some things. You know, I watched it quite late at night, but... <laughs> But I don't think the war weirdly features much. But I guess um, you wanted to move on from it, mm. maybe. And also, they, you know, 47, I think, and this the film came out at the end of the year, but I guess it seems to be like more August, you know, rainy rainy season mm. or autumn. Um, 47 was a really hard year, apparently. I think the winter was absolutely mm. awful. and But you, they don't. They don't talk about not having food or or mm. you know having to cure anything like like that. That's not the the theme. But I suppose there's like some films that show you how things are and some that are an escape. And it seems like this one is kind of pitched somewhere between the two. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's always so interesting when you see films from the late fifties. I mean, sorry, the late forties and early fifties when there's just gaps in in cities where there's bomb yes. sites mm. still. And, and it's... Because I think it's... I don't know, I always find it so hard to imagine what it was like. And there, there's really interesting documentary footage of people walking to work in the city. And it, it is just like bombed out buildings. Mm. It's like that's everything that they're walking through. Mm. And it's so weird that that becomes your normal life almost. Yeah, and also how long, how long it took the teddy boy. Yes. He was talking about the early fifties, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because rationing goes on until is it 52? early fifties? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, it's really, it's really shocking. Yeah. But I, I'll, I'll definitely lend you the gentle sex because I think you'd really enjoy it. Yeah, and if you, I, I. I only got the DVD. I borrowed it from our DVD, local fantastic DVD place. Oh, um, yes. So I can't I give it to you. Find it but yeah, it's it it's really definitely worth watching. Yeah, it sounds it's really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. 
Okay, so we're thinking forties. Yes, we're thinking forties. Maybe that's where the where the shoulder pads come oh, in. Oh, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Possibly. Possibly. Okay. Well, okay. I'll be interested to know if you're still in shoulder pad mode next time I speak to you. Okay. I will right. let you know. Bye. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.